Welcome back to A People's Guide to Publishing. I'm Joe Beal, the founder and CEO of Microcosm Publishing and Distribution. I'm also the author of A People's Guide to Publishing, which distills what I've learned from selling millions of books over the past 25 years. I'm Ellie Blue. I'm the Editorial and Marketing Director here at Microcosm. We are an independent midlist publisher based in Portland, Oregon and Cleveland, Ohio. We have over 700 books, over 25 employees, and we make about 40 new books every year. And we distribute thousands of titles from other publishers. We started this podcast so that we can share what we've learned with newer publishers so that you can learn from our mistakes. Or maybe you just want to understand the publishing industry. This week, we feature two authors from a not-even-yet-published book, the Queer Affirmations Coloring Book. Joe Carlu, returning guest to the pod, who joined us last year, now back to tell you the story of something else that happened that week, and Ali Schwed, uh, who is the illustrator of Same Coloring Book. Can you start us off with the story of how this book came to be, Joe, and then Ali, if you could tell us the story about how you got involved with this project? Sure, of course. So um, you may all remember, all of you dedicated listeners of the podcast, that a year ago, Microcosm Publishing was staying with um, my partner, Katie Hagley, another Microcosm author, and I for AWP here in Philadelphia. Um, And Katie was tabling with them and selling her newest book at the time, Kitchen Witch. And we were all sitting one day and joking about how common it is that you're having a gathering of friends and or family and someone is acting really poorly and making everyone feel bad and then they say something like you know family is a blessing or i'm so lucky to have you all and you have to wonder what is the intended meaning of this So we were joking that we would make the heteronormative um, and then cross that out and call it the Queer Affirmations Coloring Book, um, in which we took these comical instances and rewrote them into something more intentional and meaningful. Um, But once I started rewriting them, I was sort of like, I felt how heavy it was. It wasn't really a joke anymore. Um, It started to feel like more therapeutic, like wow, what do I wish someone had said to me instead of this crappy idiomatic phrase that comes to them all the time? And a coloring book is just a fun way to do it, which is what led us to Ali Schwed. So uh, I guess to give the full story of how I came in on this project, Joe and I went to high school together. Oh, wow. um, so we've known each other for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, after we both graduated, We kind of went separate paths, but those paths were kind of similar and both led us to like the indie publishing um, kind of circuit. Um, Joe has displaced Snail. My partner and I had created a small press called Little Red Bird and we were doing similar things. So it was SPX, I think it was one year that we were like, I know you, what are you doing here? You do the same thing as me. Um, So we reconnected. Uh, via the wonderful world of Small Press Expo. And uh, I've worked on a couple other projects with uh, Joe before. So when uh, this project came up and got mentioned, I was like, yes, this sounds amazing. It's exactly up my alley. And uh, yeah, the rest is uh, history. That's fantastic. Did you want to add something, Joe? 
It, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that I was at SPX that year tabling for microcosm publishing. So, so it all um, comes together. Right. It was a while it ago. Oh this was meant to be. I, I really wanted to, to chime in for people who might have a happy place working and living outside of the book industry. That the other important detail, at least in my personal life, is that as a bookseller, you constantly are going through catalogs, and there are literally hundreds of books every year that come out that just contain platitudes. And the all and by and there and all the platitudes books are like they don't actually say anything. Mm -hmm. They're it'll so it'll be like morning platitudes, or it'll be like, I mean it won't actually be called that, but that's like what it is. That was like chicken soup for the souls, whole like Stick one. <laughs> yeah. But like literally every year there are a hundred or two hundred of these new books, or there will be a new edition of an older one, and you're just like, <laughs> what is there possibly to say of and the one is like literally called like affirming statements for women? And you're like, Well, but okay. <laughs> you know, like how does this need updated? You know? So that's always that was new kinds of, of oppression that you need to make yourself feel better right. about. Well, I like to imagine there's morning platitudes and then there's morning with a U platitudes. And the next year they're like, oh, we just thought of something new. Mm -hmm. So can you give us an example of a couple of the heteronormative platitudes that you rewrote into queer affirmations? Sure. So I have book handy. A little reading, maybe. Oh, you have a book handy. That's great. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. So one of the funny things that happened, too, um, when we were making this book was one of the things I love about working with Ali is um, I rewrote platitudes into something new, and then I sort of described a scene. I tried to keep it under 100 words, you know, a small snapshot of what I thought for it. And Allie is such like a wonderful creative mind that these images came back that were so full of life that I started to see the rewrites that I did differently as well. Um, and so some of my favorite ones are now because of the images too. So one of my favorites is only the strong survive, which we wrote to rewrote to find others who empower you when you can't succeed on your own. Oh. This one because it's a cat throwing dog treats down onto the floor as the dog waits patiently. Oh. I just really enjoyed that one. Our dog approves. <laughs> and then one of the ones that really stands out to me that I, for some reason, this was so important to me to do was um, the phrase, everybody needs somebody. Because um, I, I don't know, I've known so many people who are in bad relationships and they've been taught bad relationship skills throughout their entire lives. And then it's so lovely to see someone who learns to be on their own, who can spend time on their own. Even when you're in a great relationship, you need time to yourself. And I just, I love the way Ali drew this one too, where he's saying, just me this time. <laughs> in my head. Um, but we rewrote that too. You're the best judge of what you need. Mm. I just, I love taking these platitudes that are sort of meant to oppress someone and tell them, stop thinking about this or stop talking to me about it and change them to use a little introspection, you know, think about it yourself. Mm. I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> oh, oh, jinx. Oh, we boy. Both love it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, so maybe we do need more, some more time apart from each other, Joe, so we can come up with different platitudes to say. Oh, it's true. I, I feel that your presence is a blessing, but... Um, each their own. The, That's a nice one. 
Um, so the other part is that by coincidence, and I didn't realize this, but I sent you the initial publishing contract on what happened to be April Fool's Day. And <laughs> just by coincidence, and you were like, I don't know if this is a joke or if this is actually an offer. And I was kind of like, you know, and I was kind of like still in the same place. So I was like, I don't know if Joe actually wants to do this or <laughs> if this is like going to be a running joke for 10 years. Well, right, because we, you know, we never spoke about actually doing a book. We just sort of joked about how funny it would be if a book like this existed sort of in the abstract. You know, I don't know if all of us were pieces of that book, but then to get the contract on April 1st, you know, I, I talked to Katie and I was like, does Joe ever do pranks that are like, you know, they're funny, but they're also kind of mean? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay, I'm going to ask anyway. But that, you know, and, and so then I feel like that was the beginning of you taking something that began as a joke. And then you made it really serious. And then you both made it really serious, you know, and it, and then, you know, and, and then I was kind of like, when I saw the, like, when I saw the illustrations taking shape, I was kind of like, wow, you like transcended the form of this entire genre of book, you know, which I was like, I did not see that coming, you know, like that was the part when I was like, wow, this like could have been a mediocre, you know, execution. So do you want to talk about like what you were bringing to this alley, like in terms of like how you sort of met this like project? in fruition into something that is like manifested yeah so my background is in uh comic book art so i my jam is like sequential storytelling so with this the approach that i needed to take was this is a single image single illustration that has to tell like way more than a single illustration could really tell right because we're we're trying to break exactly what joe was saying that a single phrase can't contain all of the information that it's trying to contain. That's the whole point. That's the like thesis of this book. Uh, so that meant that the art really did carry a lot of weight to it. But luckily, like Joe was saying that like, the initial little script that you wrote, Joe, very often was something that like, I never would have even thought of with that initial platitude kind of combination. So it made my brain go in a direction that like I wasn't expecting. And I think like by our powers combined, we like Captain Planeted it and it became like really, really way better than I could have imagined all the illustrations. Like seriously, some of the things that you wrote into the script are like, I don't know where that came from, but it works so well, or it sparked something in my brain that I'm like, oh, let me piggyback on that. And we could do this XYZ other thing. And it ended up like, the, seriously, none of those illustrations I could have come up with if it wasn't for you writing like that, the amazing, and like you said, they were short little like sentence or two write-ups, but it really was like such a good base level for me to not only get into your brain since you were writing all of this, um, but for me to kind of expand my own brain and be like, oh wow, we really can take these illustrations and bring them to the next level like that. Yeah, I, I happen to love some of the illustrations. The ideas were so silly, but when you see them with the platitude, it like it works. Of, right. Is um every dog has its day, which I find to be such like a, a crappy thing to say to people. Like, you know, it's 
it's not like someone's like, oh, we won a gold medal. Oh, every dog has his day. You know, you say right. being salty. Um, right. Change that to may this just be the beginning of your good fortune with this oh. frog catching contest image. Because it just <laughs> it seems so funny to me. I want someone to win something, but how many sports winnings can there be in one book? And so it really was like, what would be something cute that someone might disparage as not a serious award to win, but that you might really want someone to take seriously? Catching frogs. Yeah, especially, I mean, I don't know if why they're catching the frog. I don't know. I, my mind goes to so many places with that. I'm like, is there a frog infestation? Did the frogs <laughs> all get out? Are they in danger? <laughs> Well, and that's kind of, that's, I'm so glad that you say that, Ellie, because that's kind of a good illustration. We'll do that, right? We'll make your brain mm -hmm. go in directions you didn't think. So, Joe, you set that ball off. Hopefully, I executed it. And now, like, hopefully, when people go through the book, that's exactly what will happen. They'll be like, what is the story behind this illustration? I want to learn more. Right. And if, if I could add a tiny piece of background to our working relationship, um, in the first year of the pandemic, sort of the, the lockdown era of it, um, Katie and I went for a ton of walks around Philadelphia and we decided to write a book of our 15 favorite walks in the city. We called it Out and About in Philly. Um, and what we did was we each narrated each walk and then wrote up a script to it that looked like we were walking next to each other. So you could read Katie's, then read mine or jump back and forth. Um, and we asked Allie to illustrate it for us. And initially, our idea was that it was going to be a zine. I was going to take screenshots of the maps on Google Maps of the route that we did. And Allie would just draw a beautiful cover. But, you know, talking to Allie was like, you know, she said, let me illustrate the maps. And we were like, OK. And then she was like, what if I added some shoes? And we were like, great. And it was just every time we talked, the project got bigger and bigger and better and better. And then it was a book. And it just that's exactly what happened with this project, too. You know, each one of these scenes got bigger and better the more we spoke to each other and the more we worked together. Yeah, it was a like collaboration defined. Mm -hmm. So uh, to bring it to a kind of, I guess, different level, um, your book is coming out just as books like your book are getting banned all over the US, books that do affirm the realities and experiences and feelings of queer people. And um, yeah, I was wondering, like, have you had any reactions to your book, adverse or positive? Like, I know, I know that it isn't technically out yet, so it hasn't really had a chance to get banned yet. Though I feel like it it could. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I was I was wondering, yeah, how does how how have people been responding to the existence of your book? Well, so I very kindly want to thank you guys for making sure that I had a box before I went on um, a tour in Europe and did a few selling events. Um, so it's it, the, the book has only existed for me in public in one space so far, which was the fanzinist art book fair in Vienna. Um, and I can tell you with some certainty that I cried while describing it a few times and people cried while buying it a few times. So at least when it gets into the right people's hands, it has a wonderful effect. Um, because I think the, the message for me of the book was that there's a real lack of intentionality in our society at least, and maybe based on their reactions in other societies as well. Um, and these platitudes, exist, these sayings exist to 
continue the status quo, to stop you from talking about yourself, to push you down when you're trying to express your emotions. Um, and so a queer affirmation is putting intentionality back into how you speak because it takes intentionality to be queer. You don't get to just be gay in our society. You have to tell people you're gay and you have to say it over and over again. You come out over and over and over again. Um, and I don't know if someone wanted to ban that, it seems ill-intentioned and pointless because it's not gonna stop people from coming out. Um, but I guess we'll see. Right. And that, yeah, that's an interesting thing too. And and I, I think a lot about the intentionality piece because, you know, like that's kind of like our mission is to really have books that touch people in that way where like ideally it has to, to be a microcosm book. It has to empower the reader to change their life and the world around them. And, you know, sometimes you get both in one book, which is really nice. And, but it's been interesting in that way that, you know, I've been watching this TV show from 1994 and 1995 recently. And one of the things they do is like they have the gay men's choir go and like sing at all the homes of the most like homophobic politicians in Congress. And, you know, and I, and I like all I can think about was just like the issues have not changed one iota in you know like nearly 30 years you know like that is so bonkers and you know but that's you know and but it's like why that's emotional and affirming to people to like be validated in that way so like was that something that you two foresaw in the creation of this book that you would be like making other people feel seen I think so. I mean, I think because that's what it was for me. You know, I only uh, I'm more of a recent person who came out. You know, I, I spent a really long time pushing something about me down and repressing it and, you know, saying some of these platitudes to myself. Um, and so, you know, I, I remember um, Joe asking you, like, how many pages can I have to write an introduction to this? And you said, I, I don't know if coloring books usually have an introduction, but it seemed really important to me yeah. to introduce these and to explain what to me a queer affirmation was. Um, and then of course, Allie in classic, excellent collaborator fashion made those pages colorable as well. Nice. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it, it felt really important to me that this not just be a fun coloring book, you know, I didn't want it to just say, you know, you go gay friend and everyone feels great about it. I wanted it to be more like, let me color this page and rip it out and put it on my wall and look at it and think about it and maybe cry a little. And that's all great. Well, and I think for a book like this to work, like it needed that introduction because part of this is people being like, I'm going through the same thing as you. This is, I didn't write this book just so that you'd feel good about yourself. I wrote this book because I needed a book like this when I was yeah, back yeah. in high school or whatever. So right. it's, and the thing with all these book bands, right? They're happening in the exact places where people need these books. Yeah. So like the, the more that we could get things like that out there and infiltrate that so that people who need these, it gets in the right hands and they could read your introduction, Joe, and feel seen, feel connected and feel like, all right, I gotta, I gotta fight through these bands. I got all these bands, <laughs> not just the book bands, all the bands that are happening. Like th that, those are the places that need them the most. And that's, that's exactly why that introduction was like a hundred percent necessary. 
You're going to get some amazing fan mail. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> you absolutely will. Um, so back to sort of a more sort of, I guess, less loaded topic. I am super interested. So we've done a number of coloring books, but I think you're the first coloring book pair that's really brought a comic book to it. Joe's about to tell me that's not true if I had other coloring books done by comics artists. But I feel like when I'm looking reading a comic book and I can't put almost is like I put my finger on it. I mean, yeah, like it's not just images with words pair. There's like some kind of magic between the two. How would you how would you describe that as like comics professionals? I'm gonna let Allie take this one. <laughs> <laughs> the reason is the reason I, Sorry, this, <laughs> I knew I had to work with her because of Out and About, because I mean if if you saw the cover of that book, maybe I'll grab one and show you, you can see she completely captured every idea of what that book was about on the cover and people come up they see the cover and they pick up the book and that's what it is and so it's like you know if i want to convey meaning i have to work with ali and here we are so ali take it away okay well i guess the best comics the ones that work the best that are like the most effective for a reader is like ones that will kind of like have the synergy of the words the text and the image working with each other but then as a whole whether it's a, a full graphic novel that is telling one story or it's a anthology that's a collection of stories is like having this cohesive th thread throughout it um and obviously there's the thesis of like here we're taking these uh platitudes and we're turning them into affirmations but i feel like it needed to go a little bit deeper than that so i tried to always like kind of keep in mind like we didn't have recurring characters or anything throughout the book but i tried to keep in mind some kind of level of cohesion and what the art looked like and what the characters were doing and feeling and kind of putting it together in this narrative way even though it's not like a, a true linear narrative story i think joe you did a very good job in the way that you um paginated everything so that that mm -hmm. kind of just intrinsically was part of it so even though like there wasn't again that like that straight story there still was this story of like struggle and overcoming that struggle throughout like because that's what this is all about right where we're all struggling with these crazy platitudes that have existed for years and books are coming out still constantly affirming those and like that's kind of the narrative thread throughout that i guess was informing how i was approaching the art and what i should do with the art mm. um and I hope it worked <laughs> to tell that story. Because there was a story there, even though, again, it wasn't like a, a scripted uh, narrative in that classic sense. Right. I, I think to build on that, one of the things I would add, too, is that um, Ali did such a wonderful job creating the spaces, creating those scenes. And so it's like, you know, when someone in, in one of them, someone is doing, uh, I think it was pull yourself up by your bootstraps um we we wanted to highlight you know the the unity and community um in the rewrite and so we had someone doing a crossword puzzle asking for help um but you know you added that the person giving the help was carrying their laundry basket and and it just that seems like such a small detail but it it creates a scene in which these two are at home and are you know obviously a couple and a, a couple who like each other and are helping each other and it just it highlighted the unity and community, you know, in the scene itself. And it, it was wonderful. 
Yeah. I, I really appreciate it also that, yes, the, the characters, it, it was alluded to that they had full, rich inner lives and like actual like responsibilities and jobs, you know, which is like, <laughs> don't, I mean, which is like totally counter to the form that you are, I, well, I don't know, like, I feel like we started out as you parodying a form and then it like eclipsed that where you've now like reinvented the form of like what it should look like. You know, because part of what we were, you know, the original idea sort of stemmed from the fact of like looking at these books, there was something like sharply heteronormative and, and it's like capitalistic and it's like competitive and like it really comes from this idea that like everyone's for themselves and, you know, like everything happens for a reason, you know, and you're just like, well, no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, and that was the part where I was like, wow, this is like getting kind of profound. But I, I, you know, I like you may not see continuity in your characters, but that's actually what I was going to say to this point is like, it feels like you're seeing the same characters in different situations mm -hmm. throughout the book, even if they're mm -hmm. not the you're not like, oh, that is, you know, this character you you feel like you're acquainted with this person because, and then, you know, and to some degree you're like, oh, right. They're like undergoing things like I undergo, you right. know? And, but I really like that kind of thoughtfulness, you know, that, I guess that's the other thing you just don't really see in a book like this, yeah. but you know, <laughs> there's, um, there's a new one that, um, I don't know if I, I well, it, let's just say it's like platitudes for hard times, which I'm like, aren't all platitudes for hard right. times? You know, well, it, why would you need platitudes for easy times? <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's one of the funny things about working on this project was when we, you know, all signed the contract. I was like, this is going to be the easiest book I've ever worked on. I'm going to rewrite these platitudes in about a week and a half and send them all to Allie. And I feel bad because she's going to have to do all this work. And I just did like a week's worth of writing and then I'm done. But, you know, it was like three months later. And what was happening was instead of just dashing something off, I was remembering this is the thing my uncle said to me when I was 13 and we were in, I'm like crying already. And I was in the backyard and I felt so bad about myself. And this was how he responded to me or like, you know, this is what the mother and bridezillas said to her daughter on their wedding day. And of course they got into a fight because this is that person's mother and this is how they relate to each other. And so it was like each one of these platitudes, it wasn't just, you know, I ripped a list of platitudes off the internet and rewrote them. It was like each one of them had a moment in my, my own life that I had to rethink, you know, this, this is what my boss said to me and I quit that job. You know, this is probably a big part of why I quit that job. And so I, I think, I don't know, it was like therapeutic working on this. So I'm, I'm really hoping that the people who read it get that out of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can all remember times when somebody said something to us that was like so unhelpful and maybe it wasn't even well-meaning, but that is just like a thing that you say that's acceptable to say. Right. And it's sometimes I wish people would even just say, I don't know what to say. That's a that's an acceptable response. That's a great one. I feel yeah. like that deserves its own coloring page. Right. I don't know what to say. <laughs> that should have been the very last one. That was just blank, and you draw your own image. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Well, well, 
the second one. We gotta make we'll a volume two. <laughs> the expanded <laughs> totally, edition. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a supplemental postcard. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> but Joe, hearing you like describe that experience, like that kind of sums this up in a nutshell, right? That like if you did, if you were able to just kind of write them all off in a week then we fall into the same problem that these platitudes, the initial platitudes kind of had is that like no thought was given to them. And if if there was thought given to them at some point, we lost that over time because they just became like so repeated and like nobody stops to think about what they actually mean. Because some of the platitudes, if you really like pulled them apart, you could see like maybe there was some good nature, like you said, Ellie, that like people have good intentions in saying them, but we lost it because we say these things as like these throwaway phrases. So like to be able to rewrite them, it needed to take some heavy thought and some soul searching. That's the point, because that's what we want people to do instead of using these platitudes. So for the queer affirmations, did you similarly have material to draw on from your life of like things people said to you that were so affirming and so helpful? Or did you kind of have to be like, I'm saying these things now? (laughs) like? Oh no, I mean it's rewriting them was interesting because it's it's not they're not platitudes themselves. So it's not like, you know, I've had a hundred people say the same positive, you know, say, Well, your life is a story in motion to me. And then I could be like, Oh, remember all the lovely people who said that to me. <laughs> but you know, I did get to think of all of the like wonderful support I have been given. Um, but for the most part, the rewriting of them really, really was sort of, you know, what I wish someone had said to me. Uh, and of course, you know, not every situation is is right to become a deep, meaningful conversation. You know, if you're in the, you know, at work and someone says good vibes only to you, you can't expect them to go, let's stop this meeting so you and I can step out into the hallway and really discuss what's going on. Like, that's not possible. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think mostly what I want is to promote honest conversation you know you you can say to someone i know we can't talk about this right now but maybe later we could that i, th- I also oh, think yeah. that's a perfectly acceptable answer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and so you know I, my initial thought when you know i was like okay like you know because i we had talked about it to some degree between when we were there in february or maybe it was march and April 1st, like I was super behind on my work, but when I got you the agreement and, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna at least like push this along. And if Joe doesn't wanna do it in the end, like that's fine. Like worst case scenario, it's like, I've tried. So, you know, do you have, do you have recollections from that period? Like, do you remember, did did we like because I, I remember you definitely said something to the effect of like i would be interested in making a book like that mm. you know but like did it go further than that i mean before you sent me the contract no um i, I just thought this was sort of like you said a, a running joke we'd have for 10 years you know every time we saw you guys we'd bring up another heteronormative platitude and laugh about it um but you know I am the type of person who you give me a project and I'll do it. And Allie is especially that kind of person. And so there were a lot of times when I was like, this is, uh, this is hard. This is emotionally hard for me to do, but I haven't sent Allie anything new in two weeks. And I know that she's probably sitting there being like, 
where is it? So that was useful too. <laughs> so no, the minute it felt like a real book, it just was a real book in my mind. And I, I do, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say one thing I've learned from living with you, Joe Beale, for 14 years is that if you make a joke about a project and you think it's a good idea, that project is probably gonna happen. <laughs> so I guess warning to travelers. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Where I could be like, you know, like it'll at least live on a list. And then if the person is like in the end has to be like, as I've told you 16 times, I am really not interested. <laughs> then like, but if you want to run with that, then it will go to somebody else who will probably see it to fruition. You know, and that's kind of the oh, yeah. Well, and my first instinct too was like, I can't let this fall through. Like, Allie, let's get 10 sketches to them within the first week. They're going to see it. They're going to love it. We're going to do it. And I, I do remember also that, you know, you, you, when we were talking it over, I emailed you and I was like, what about the person that illustrated your walking book? And you were like, I literally just came up with the same <laughs> thought. And so what, what was it about? you know, Ali in particular, that seemed right for this project? Well, I went and got a copy of Out and About to show you. And if you're only listening to this, I will describe it to you. Um, so Ali, I believe this was your idea when we wanted to make this book. Um, you asked for a photo of our street. And so we took a picture from our front stoop of what our street looked like. And then Ali illustrated our street, Philadelphia, with Katie and I walking down it. Um, and it just, you know, you you look at this cover and it's so incredibly evocative of Philadelphia, of me and Katie and of us walking in Philadelphia. And it's like, you know, you could see this cover with none of the text on it and immediately understand what the book was. Um, and it just that, you know, I think, Ali, you said this before, that's like the thesis of this book is that these platitudes are supposed to contain a ton of information. And so I, I already knew Ali Shred is a person who can take something small and pack a huge amount of information in it. And of course, I've seen her work with the nib. I've seen her work um, from Little Red Bird. I've seen the work, you know, the comics that she's made. Um, and I just, I was like, this is a person who's going to do this project well. I know I like them. I know I like working with them. Let's work together again. Well, and here's a secret to anyone who's looking for someone to be able to contain that information. Comics, journalists, anyone who works in like visual journalism, they're going to have that skill because you have to take so much information and synthesize it into like, like the nib will be like, all right, tell this huge topic in 25 panels, go. And like 25 <laughs> panels is not a lot of panels at all. So like you have to be really, really good at taking a lot and putting it into a little, but still getting the entire story across. Mm. So if you ever talk to any comics journalist out there, like they will help you do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's some great advice. Ali, what was the feeling for you about the project? Like what made you say yes to it? Well, number one, I love collaborating with Joe. I've had only good experience collaborating with Joe. So like Joe, pretty much like if you come with any project, like you don't even have to explain the project. I'll just be like, yes, let's do it. Let's come on, let's do it. <laughs> um, but in terms of something like this, it's, uh, it's not something that I ever necessarily like 
thought about, given thought about, which again, that's kind of the point of having a book like this. So it made me like, anytime there's a topic that it's like, all right, let me delve into something that I haven't given thought to. I'm not necessarily in this world or like, mm -hmm. it's not something that I've, I've forced myself to stop and think about. Um, that's intriguing to me and it makes mm -hmm. me self-reflect. And as you were saying, Joe, that it, it was kind of therapeutic for you to write all of this. It's, it's a form of art therapy to be drawing these things and like drawing takes a long time. So you're putting a lot of effort and energy and thought because you're spending an hour or two um, drawing a single illustration. That's a lot of time to just like think about what does this illustration mean? Why am I putting all this time and effort into it? So it's a great mental exercise to just kind mm -hmm. of force yourself to either in this case, think about things that I never stopped to give the time to think about and again that's the whole point of the book so it really is it's so self-affirming i love that well um we do need to wrap things up in the next few minutes is there anything anyone wants to make sure you say to our listeners and watchers um i mean both ali and i tend to do a lot of events every year um ali i don't know what your year looks like this but um I spx <laughs> yeah, right. This this we're gonna be out in the world a lot. So if you know you happen to see Joe Carlo or Ali Shred coming to a city near you, come say hello, buy our books, talk to us. We're super nice people. Um True. we probably won't be doing anything together, but I don't know, maybe we'll make that happen too. We should make that happen because we're kind of close. So Yeah, we are actually. Um but yeah, that would Some be kind the, of book launch party. Right. Yeah, I would love that. That's the big takeaway for me is, you know, the point of this book is connection. So come talk to us. Like You even said, I think when you first mentioned it to me, um, Joe, like, I don't know if this is a real thing that's happening. It might be a joke. But if it is, do you want to be the illustrator on the project? And again, I was like, yes, of course. Thanks for joining us once again. Please send your questions to podcast at microcosmpublishing.com so we can answer them on future episodes. And please give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere else that podcasts are reviewed. You can find us on the internet at microcosm.pub. On Twitter at microcosm. On Facebook at microcosm publishing. On Instagram at microcosm underscore pub. And here in Portland, Oregon on North Williams Avenue. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.